Welcome back to another episode of Sipcatch Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Squiz. And uh, thank you for joining us for the Chrysalis podcast, everyone, which, as you know, it takes a full team to get something, an ensemble together. And speaking of an unfinished ensemble, let's talk about Essendon today, Swiz. Oh, well, mate, I was in a great mood and we're talking about Essendon. Fucking hell, mate. What a waste of yep, fucking yep. time. Why the fuck do I want to talk about Essendon, mate? <laughs> I know there's a lot of Essendon supporters that play fantasy football, but yeah, fucking hell, your team is, but it's the most irrelevant fucking team in fantasy footy. Let's just wow. start off there, mate. Let's just fucking get into wow. it. The wife's hang gone on, it, hang mate. On, hang on. <laughs> Shock horror. The wife's out. Yeah, so your missus goes for Essendon, Swiss. Now, yeah, she, she well, didn't want me to, she didn't want to sit there and listen to me crap on about how shit their team is for the next half an hour. So, yeah, she's gone out. Okay. And for anyone playing in for the first time, this is kind of like a little bit of a Limp Biscuit special with how many swear words uh, Swiss there can throw in a two minute window. But hey, I'm actually more optimistic. I don't mind watching Essendon play football. Um, Consider me stupid. I don't know, but I think that they um, are exciting. I think they're starting to get it together. And um, look, if they can keep, I think for me, it's going to be injuries as to how Essendon go. I know you know, SC elites were you know, definitely rated them not being in the top eight, but it depends on the type of footy they play. I think Essendon can definitely win games with the style of footy that they are known for. It just depends on if they can get everyone on the puck. So mate, that's, that's my opinion. Mate, um, but, that, but that's because you sit in sunny Queensland, you get to see them once a year. I have I get dragged along, sit with the Essendon members every friggin' week, have to listen to those Muppets carry on like they're the greatest team ever. Was it 6,500 bloody thousand days that they haven't won a final? Yeah, you just remember that, boys. Yeah, well, look, the lines have been a while since they've won a prelim, so um, <laughs> I can feel the pain on that one a little bit. But anyway, SC Insider 100, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. You can also look us up. We're on all the uh, audio platforms as well, so Spotify, SoundCloud, um, Stitcher, you name it. Find us there as well. And you can also find us on the YouTube, so look it up and find us, Supercoach Insider on YouTube. Thank you all for the love as well. I actually had the Twitter popping off a little bit today, which is really awesome. Actually, had one person saying, "Can you boys like hurry up and release some more podcasts and quicker?" Literally, that was the momentum that we had. We had we got given a, a, an incentive by an incentive. I mean, kind of like a threat. Hey, I love you, but also hurry the fuck up. Um, so that's I think that's fair enough. So we are trying to. It's one of those things where you know, with the COVID, and we thought the season was cooked, so we didn't spend as much time in the preseason. Then we're like, "Hey, wonderful, we'll do it now." Then Chris got COVID, and obviously living life. So it's with me. Chris should be here. Hopefully on the Wednesday to knock out a few. We're going to try and knock out a few because we know that time is of the essence, particularly with draft focus. And this is kind of the crunch time. But on the positive side, all the latest stats and information are coming in, twickled into our little fingers, which means that you have the most up-to-date information. And we're going to try and smash all of that out for you. So there we go. Swizz, Essendon. Now, here's the thing. They don't really have – they have a few primos, they have a few mid-prices, and they have a rookie, and that's pretty much Essendon in a nutshell. They are draft relevant, so there is stuff to talk about them. They're not that bad. They, You are right. They do play some exciting footy, and they do have some relevance, not as much in standard, but definitely a bit of a draft one there. 
So we'll, uh, yeah, yeah where um, would you like to start, mate? The, get into the primo straight away? Yeah, I reckon. Uh, primo. Uh, let's go with Michael Hurley, shall we? Premiums. Um, no, I, I'm actually, that could be yeah. a highlight for me this year. Just seeing him play, getting him on the park would be good for me because I, I like Hurls, man. Like, I, uh, I'm not one to hurl abuse at the Hurls, but uh, I'd really like to see him play this year. And, um, you know, hopefully he's had a few, a little bit of meatloaf and uh, put on some KGs. That, that'd be oh, a lovely story this year. I thought you were talking about uh, with Primo. We're going to do the only one, Devin Smith. Uh, uh, shout oh, out to oh, our oh. friends over at Elites and that. Uh, probably the Elites. Here, here's the thing. Before this podcast just started, I'm like, hey, look, uh, Devin Smith is ranked. He's 351K. And I'm like, that's the same he was priced two years ago. So I'm like, hey, SC Elites, Corey and Bombs, do you reckon that um, in your top 10 podcast, which we hope to do, Devin Smith will be in your top three? Or do you think Petrarca might average more than him this year, boys? I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a fickle one, that one. <laughs> Swiss is just cracking it. Yeah, uh, shout out to those boys. And, and if you listen to this, please do write on Twitter because we know Corey loves his Twitter. Right on there saying, hey, boys, our Supercoach Insider are hitting you up saying, oh, Devin Smith's price, what he was two years ago. How about Petrarca? Just give them shit. I want like 10 people to literally just tweet Corey, just give it to him. And it would be, oh, that would make my day. That would literally make my week so good. All right, let's digress. Let's move straight into the premiums. And I'm going to go straight past my man, Zach Merritt. And I'm going to go with Darcy Parrish. Darcy Parrish averaged 114.1, slightly less than Zachary Merritt. But, man, his upside's killer. He had some amazing games, a max score of 190. Uh, he could be the big winner here with the different changes of positions. A few of Essendon players are now going down injured. He showed a real big glimpse. Uh, he averaged 141 in the middle eight-game bracket, so he went absolutely big. And sometimes these players, they give you a little snippet, a little glimpse of hope of their potential, and they just can't put it together for a full season. So I'm hoping even if just for Essendon or I'm hoping just to watch it. But I think Darcy Parrish has the potential to definitely get into that top eight midfield bracket. It just depends on a body. It depends on how they play him and obviously the tag. Swiss. Yeah, they've played two match sims and an intra club so far. And he's been by far best on in all three of them. Just absolutely finds the pill at will at the moment. The only issue for him is how is he going to deal with the tag? Because the attention is definitely going to come. But... He's everything we love, plays inside midfield, gets those um, contested possessions, and he's got an absolute fantastic ceiling. So what was it, the uh, the big breakout game last year against Collingwood, 162, the 152 against North, the one, uh, I think there was a couple other big ones there, Benny. There's definitely a 190 uh, in there. Yeah. Definitely so, a 190, but and he kicks goals as well. He's a scoring machine. Yeah, oh, for sure. And that's what you want. You want your player resting forward. Yeah, the 190 against Geelong. Yeah, there it is. So my, my phone wasn't updating. But North Melbourne, yeah, 152. Richmond, 166. And, and it was just only those people who jumped on late got a little burnt because he had that 59, uh, 49 sorry, against GWS. But, yeah, that, that middle period, for those who jumped on early, got such a reward from him. Um, and, that, and that's what, when we talk breakout players and breakout premiums, and I know a lot of people are looking at Brayshaw, which we'll talk about in a future podcast, um, but those who were sort of tracking Parrish and his move from the half-forward flank into the midfield, um, like he, he could do it as a junior, and, and that's what we were looking for last year. Now, this year, the different story is now he is that bona fide premium, and a bit like when we were talking about Sam Walsh, how is he going to go with that attention? 
because the players around him, there's some good players, Caldwell, obviously Zachy Merritt, McGrath, Shiel, um were not injured, uh, and even Stringer were not injured. But, yeah, the uh, the main focal point is going to be Parrish. So teams are going to have to shut him down. They can't let him get 35 possessions each week and then let him just roam forward and kick goals. Perfect player, yep. I think. Um, after getting a bit more of a sample side, like as somebody I'll be looking f- trying to get in throughout the season, depending on how he's going. But yeah, somebody I'm a bit worried about starting with just because I don't know how um, other teams are going to play against him. Yeah, and when you look at their fixture as well, Essendon play Geelong, Brisbane, and the D's first three. So for me, it's definitely a wait and see. He's someone that I'm looking at. I'm intrigued by him, but he's not highly owned, which kind of makes it a little bit harder to kind of take that point of difference and really go with it because he is outside that top 10 midfielder pro, um, averaging at this point in time. But then outside of that, once you get through those few games and you have like Adelaide, Fremantle, Collingwood, Bulldogs and Hawks. So he could definitely start to get on a bit of a roll through there. So um, with those kind of plays, I don't mind waiting and seeing, but I don't mind it for draft purposes. Not only that, in draft, if he starts off slow those first three rounds, I would 100% be hitting someone up before that Adelaide game. Like I would be trying my hardest to steal him at a discount at that point. So yeah, and yeah, that's because he's got a good good age bracket as well. So in draft, if you've got somebody who's just that little bit older, um, I'm trying to think of somebody probably who's good off the top there that's uh, ranked higher. Maybe even if you've got Tuke Miller, might be coming a flyer. Um, and yeah, you might have to sort of get a bit of a swap happening there. It's always hard swapping primo for primo. Maybe there is a, you know, Josh Dunkley or one of your rucks, maybe Brody Grundy has started off really solid and you might have a backup ruck like a Sam Draper or somebody, depending on how big your league is, where you can go, well, I can ship this guy off because somebody needs a ruck and try to get a primo like Darcy Parrish in, throw in a, you know, a draft pick or something like that. But yeah, definitely yep. is somebody you want to target if you've got a new keeper league because, yeah, he just looks like he's got all the goods. You know, I agree. And just standard draft leagues as well, you do the old the Airsy special, as we call it, where you offer up a two-for-one. Or you have a, a midfielder who's doing well, like maybe a Parker's, you know, popping off to start with. And then you go, hey, wonderful. He's starting off killing it, averaging 115, 120, knowing he probably won't sustain it. And then you look at a parish and go, hey, I actually quite – I know he had a tough run, and now I reckon I want to capitalize and try and organize a sweetness trade. That's called the air special, mate. Two for one, where you get two, you give them two players that aren't quite as good for one that's better, and then you just put them on field and then bring someone off your bench straight on and raid that waiver wire. 100% keen as a bean for that. Uh, next one, let's go to Zachary Merritt. So, someone you are big on, average 115 for the season. Started off a little bit slow, average what, 110, just shy off the first seven, 115 for the next eight, and then came home with a 120.9. Merritt always comes hard in the back end. He is just notorious for it. He builds up some momentum and starts to steamroll. He's definitely someone with Parrish getting the attention. He he thrived. Everyone's gone to Parrish and Zach Merritt's just running around, getting that pill, chipping out. Um, and he's just he's good inside, he's good on the outside. I quite rate him. But there is a slight consideration this year, Swiz. Well, there is, but yeah, I absolutely love this guy. And it's funny because I talked to I have a, obviously apart from my partner, but a few close mates who are Essendon members, and that's probably why I hate them so much, but they um, they just don't have the same love for Zachy Merrick compared to some of the other players on their list. And I just don't get it because I just think he by far is Essendon's best player. And that is one guy I do enjoy watching at the footy. Somebody I've had a real soft spot in. I've had him in my team in the last two years. As Benny said, 114.9 last year. He was 115 the year before. 
just gets the job done. The worry is in the, one of the match sims the other day, he was uh, rotating through the halfback with uh, Hind and McGrath. So it's just a little bit of a watch there. They've got the bomb, uh, they're playing the Bulldogs this Wednesday at 3 p.m. out at uh, the hangar. So I'll be watching that one with all eyes to see where Zachy Merritt starts. The hope is, yep. you know, he's in that midfield just running around doing whatever he wants. And then it is somebody that I do consider because just because he gets the pill and he's not going to get the same attention that uh, Darcy Parrish does. But the worry again, if he is going to play a little bit of the halfback or even a lot of halfback, but 10, because they have so many midfielders and somebody who we're about to talk about in Caldwell, they look very keen to get him in there. So it's how many, obviously, you can start. The Bombers obviously have McGrath, who was a former number one pick. So they want to rotate him through the halfback and into the midfield. And there's a few other options there. So, yeah. Yeah, when you have you, Stringer and Hobbs, it's, you know, yep. even when you, you draft a big body inside mid, and then it's kind of like, okay, well, Merritt's, you know, he's a, he's strong on the inside, but he can also, he makes good decisions. He also likes to get on the outside and get those disposals. So for me, it's maybe they just wanted to have a bit of intra-club and give him more practice and more exposure there. He can rest there all he likes. He can go and get some midfield time and then go rest there. I would rather a player go and play somewhere they don't have to run as much or get a few ones on the outside instead of sitting on the pine. You know, and I was saying the same thing with Lockie Neal. Obviously, the news coming out saying Lockie Neal, you know, playing, um, he can rest wing or possibly even go forward. So it's one of those things where I'm like, hey, cool. I would rather he goes in midside and then he can rest forward or go to the wing or whatever, somewhere that he won't have to work as hard as far as, you know, bulk traveling distance. And I don't mind that. It, it's going to come down to time on ground, right, and then how much of that midfield pie they get. Because if the midfield time drops heaps and they're not doing much outside except for just standing on some grass, then it's going to hurt. Whereas you, you've seen in your Patrick Cripps and your, your Fife's and your Dangerfields, those that spent time on ground, and we're talking, what, 89, you know, high 80s into low 90% time on ground, they have more time to score. So it can be beneficial. I'm just waiting to see... Um, yeah, I'm hoping maybe they just give him a little pinch back there, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Merritt Merit has great time on ground too. He's one that's quite really fit, runs out the games really well. So uh, this yeah, this year because really he's been notoriously one. low. He's been notoriously low oh, time really? on ground. Like, yeah, like well, usually always, about seventy. I always, oh yeah, well that's he was thing, usually seventy-seven percent. Yeah, because I always look at him as, and maybe that's probably because later in the year he seems to probably pick it up, or he he's definitely on the. He always seems to be on the field in the second half, and that. So maybe it's something that. Yeah, probably a lot of the time I don't even notice because of the first half he's probably on and off and that, but he always seems to finish strong and that. So that's probably why he picks up a lot of points in the in the second half of games because yeah, he can probably run them out. So yeah, it's it always surprises me that when you say oh, his percentage because I go to those games and I was like, oh, Merritt's always on, but maybe that's just actually because watching it live you forget sometimes because they're just racking up the pill, which is interesting. So hopefully maybe if he goes to half back, you'll get more time on ground. If that's what you're saying, yeah, I'm just trying to work it out now because it's um, all these stats have changed anyway. But yeah, time on ground is definitely one where he used to clearances, kicks, handballs, hitouts. No, I want to create my own stats. You stupid thing that's just <laughs> changed. Um, yeah, so well with filtering, you should be. It used to be able to sort of look up time on ground. Um, yeah, he was notorious about like sort of seventy-seven and a half, seventy-eight sort of time on ground for a while, and. Um, Looks like that sort of, yeah, changed maybe. Maybe it has. I don't know. We'll have to have a look. And if only the AFL website didn't change their fucking yeah, stat leaders. Very frustrating, that. What the hell? It's literally, now it's hot. Oh, that annoys me. 
I like a system, okay? I like a system, and now it's no longer there. Um, anyway, so let's move on. We'll digress, and I'll see if I can sort that out. Can we can we talk about Jordan Ridley first of all? He's a defender. He's five hundred thirty-seven thousand, so he's a little bit cheaper, right? He averaged ninety-eight point seven for the year. I started off doing really well. Got knocked down on what was it like zero? He got like uh, yeah, not very I think good. It was. Yeah, well, in my mind, it was not many. Yeah. Um, yeah, quarter time. Average 108.3 for the first eight rounds. No, 108.3 for the first six. Missed the game, 96.1, 93.3. Really did tail off. And he had to play a little bit more accountable as well. Didn't get as many kickouts once he returned, which definitely hurt him. So, where do you stand on this? And looking at you know Kelly coming into that side, where do you think Ridley sits? And what's the risk versus reward ratio? In your opinion, mate. Firstly, I was a, such a happy Ridley owner last year. I was so big on the guy. Watched him dominate those first few weeks. Unfortunately, got the thirty-one, but then I side traded him to Oliver at the time, and that worked out beautifully. And everyone was getting into me because how can you trade out Ridley? Kind of worked out well there. But the addition of Kelly, um, I think it's going to be something definitely good. More the after about the first seven eight games and on the run home, it's going to take them a few weeks to work out who's going for what ball and what's um, where, where Ridley can kind of zone off and, and, and what balls or, and what balls is he going to have to get back and help Kelly in defense? Um, obviously that would change if Hurley could come back and that, but it doesn't look like Hurley, Hurley, you know, it'd be great to see him back on the field, but yeah, that um, I think there'll be games where Ridley will have to play some more accountable footy where, depending on the sort of forward lineup. So if you get, say, a Geelong and you've got Hawkins, Cameron, Radicalia, he's going to have to man up more, where against some of those smaller forward lines, he's going to have to get off the chain, take intercept marks. So I think we're going to see a real fluctuation between the um, between Ridley scores this year. There's going to be some games I think he's going to pump out 130s, 140s, and there's probably other games he's going to you know be that 70, 80 guy, depending what role he's going to have game to game. Yeah, I think that fluctuation will depend on kickouts as to how many he gets. Um, it's definitely been spoken about. I think Kelly was talking, trying to work on positioning where you know where he can stand and position himself in order to free up Ridley further up the ground. So for me, it's going to be Kelly trying to you know lock down or position himself so that way Ridley can be that intercept player. And we know intercept players score really well. It's just going to be about does he get a few kickouts to complement that to help provide that base and that stability. I still think Ridley could be a top six defender. He's young enough. I think he's got the talent and he's got the super coach friendly um, potential. But again, it's one of those ones. Do you start him or do you want to watch and see what he's doing, get a little bit more data and then lock it in? Because there's so many high scoring defenders that do you want to lock in a guy that's going to fluctuate and give you a high 90? I still think Ridley goes 100 plus. So I, I have had him in my team quite a bit. I am probably a bit more bullish on his potential compared to others. But it is definitely a consideration. Yeah, and you're speaking right of consideration, those. I found some stats, Swizz. Zachy yeah. Merritt went from like a 76 average on time on ground to about a 77 and a half. And in the last two years, he's actually gone like 82 and a half. So he's upped it by about 4 to 5%. Uh, over the last two years, he's been playing around at 82 and a half. So he has increased his output and maybe he wants to take it to the next level. Well, it feels like that. that's probably why he's averaging that extra five to six points more than what he was two years ago. So that makes a lot of sense. Back on Ridley, yep. um, we did see the change when Redmond started taking kickouts, and it's going to be really dependent on this preseason watching their defensive setup. It looks like they're trying to move Heppel a little bit more back up on the wing, 
So you're going to have good kicks like Merritt possibly floating down there. McGrath, we know Hines a good, you know, runner, so he can probably run out of the back line. Um, so if Ridley was the one taking majority of kickouts, then definitely I'd be more bullish on him about that. Uh, but they've got so many other ball users and midfielders who sort of rotate through that half back line. I think there'll be a bit of a shared, and they're trying to get Ridley more up the ground for that kick in because he's a good mark and can take a contested mark if need be or free himself and get that uncontested mark and then be the, the one that kicks up to the wing to your Heppels and your Parishes. I'd probably prefer him in that role as well because I think he turned over quite a bit kicking out from the defensive line, and he's a great kick. He's also a great mark, so I wouldn't mind having him as that receiver to try and you know take a good mark and then use the good kick in the next stage. It'll probably help them out a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, preseason definitely coming, so that's a consideration. Talking about a little bit of draft relevance, Jakey Stringer, 93.1, definitely on the radar for draft. Injured, though, um, has had some injury concerns, so that is uh, definitely an issue. So I wouldn't be picking him in draft at this point in time. I'd let someone else take that monkey. Has potential. He still will be used as that uh, explosive midfielder type. But for me, it's a, a leave at this point, and I'll get your opinion in a sec, Swizz. Langford, another one for draft purposes. Now, Langford, he can't be going midfield, right? So I'm not going to bank the house on it, but 86.8 averaging midfielder, he's that's the kind of midfielder you'll get in, on your bench, right? Now, he's someone that if it gets to the bench spot, he's young enough, I think he'll push more wing slash forward. I think he'll probably play forward flank a bit more, Langford. And he can still average you probably mid-80s as a forward option. I think he'll get DPP probably first round of that. and. The last thing, Swizz, is is Hind good enough to sustain this with some of these other players coming back in? Do you still think he's going like holding his 93 sort of average? Or do you think he's going to sort of fall off a little bit with Hind? Because he was a bit of a flash in the pan. What do you reckon? Yeah. So I'll start off with Stringer. A good one possibly for standard come around that buy period. Um, hopefully... When he gets back in, they play him a lot more forward just to settle him back in. But we know he's got the ability to go in the midfield and change games. He's super coach friendly, one of the most super coach friendly players. I in can't the game. stand him though. Oh, I know. I just it's, can't. A lot of people say it's the flog factor. Factor like no, Degoe. it's 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 no. Uh, I would have Degoe Green. Fuck, I'd even take a, a, a retired Heath Shaw all together in my side before I reckon Stringer. He complains more than anyone in the game. I reckon he talented. But I reckon he got called a package for so long that he might have inflated his own package, in my opinion. So I don't, as I said, I don't mind it. If he dropped, if you could get him around that 400 mark, it all depends on how he comes back. But yeah, as somebody who is a cheap forward, it's not a, it's not a bad option. Langford, no, I, 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 just, would... leave, I just leave him alone. And my, my issue with Langford behind all these guys, well, first of all, we saw Derman come in on the halfback line, but Essendon... A lot of their supporters are very bullish about them because of all the talented players they have. And they have some great talented players. But the problem is they're all the same position. And, and we've already gone through them where, you know, Stringer goes through that midfield, but you've got Parrish McGrath. They've, they've recruited Hobbs. Hobbs is a great pickup for them. Another inside midfielder. Um, Heppel. And then you've got Hein and Derman who are both halfback flankers. But then they're trying to and play Merricks and Heppels and all them and then Cox and fit all them in. So what they don't have is the proper key forwards. They don't have the proper key backs. They don't have a small forward. They don't have a, a small back. So they don't actually have the prop. They're, they're very much like GWS when they first came in and will just recruit all these midfielders 
and then we'll try to play them in other positions. And the problem is then you've got Langford playing in the forward line when he's meant to be a midfielder. Parrish for so long playing in the forward line when he was meant to be a midfielder. So I'd, apart outside of Parrish and Merritt, and then Ridley because he's actually kind of got a role, I'm not convinced. And I, I try to actually stay away from a lot of these Essendon players because from week to week, you know, they could be chopping and changing. Or if somebody goes down, then they go fill to another role. So, yeah, I don't like them at all. And even Dylan Schill, like if he was fit, where does he fit in? He has to go play wing, he has to go in the forward line. Wing Devin or Smith. forward, yeah. Yeah, Devin Smith came in to play midfield. Now he's, you know, the forward pocket. So they've just got all these players who are the exact same type of players. Some are obviously better than others. So you can it's... name all these different names on their list. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. And even draft, I look at it and go, unless I'm getting really big value on them, I tried to stay away. There's probably two names we haven't named which I'm kind of looking for, one in standard and one in draft. But outside of that, all those sort of other names, yeah, I just don't like them. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the Ben Keys effect where Brisbane had him, couldn't fit him in the midfield, tried to get him to play forward. He couldn't transition to that role, and then they ended up delisting him. Adelaide needed a midfielder. Guess what? Keys is killing it. Do you know what I mean, it's the same. It's the exact same principles where these teams are drafting a forward and trying, like, drafting midfielders and getting them to play a role that isn't known to them, and just going, "Oh, well, you're a, you're an AFL football player now. If you can play midfield, you should be able to play forward." But they're completely different crafts, and some players can actually adapt and change and learn new roles and learn put new strings on their bow, and other players are like, "Well, I've only got the one bow, mate. Like, you know, use me how I'm good, or that's it." So, yeah. and can I just say, touching on as well. Right. When we talk about Jake Stringer, this is how I would have Aaron Hall in my side starting the season, trading him out because he gets injured and trading him back into my team before I had Darcy, um, before I had, sorry, Jake Stringer in my side at all. <laughs> I am not even kidding you. That's how much I do not like Jake Stringer. It's not even a flog meter thing. It is literally just, I can't stand him. I can't stand watching him. I can't stand being near him in the playground, let alone anywhere else. I just can't. I don't have time for him. And, yes, he scores super coach, but it annoys me. It really does. There's not many players. I would pick – who's a Brisbane player that I give so much heat to, right? Um, I would pick Shaki in my team before I pick Jake Stringer. That's how much I don't like him. Well, mate, I'm a, I can't believe you referenced Stringer and Playground in the same freaking sentence there. Moving on. Moving on. Things do swing in roundabouts, no? Um, anyway. Um, one one for draft, just a quick one. I'm not going to spend much time on him, but in keepers, Archie Perkins, and um, like because there's a lot more focus on Cox. But, yeah, just a sneaky one there. Later in keepers, um, yeah, he's, I found that he's been sliding through. Not a bad one to pick up if you can pick up later. Um, I know I've got him in a keeper league. So, yeah, just I don't even know who Archie Perkins there. is. Who's Archie Perkins? Archie Perkins? He was the, no uh, their high draft pick last year. Yeah, no, no idea. Oh, okay. So the one that was with Cox. So Cox, who yeah, went first? Exactly. Was yep. it the Cox or the hen that came first? Which one? I think the hen. Okay, right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, last one talking about some draft relevance. Uh, Dylan Shield and Devin Smith, unfortunately, both relevant. Shield, some people getting sucked in. However, he did get injured. It was a, it was a, a minor kind of thing. Um, what was it? He got injured, definitely. Quad hamstring, can't remember. Something minor. Yeah. So he's not he's not playing at this point in time. But before that, he was having um, basically uh, completed every session during the preseason until he got injured. 
also known as the Hanabry, where you're doing really well in preseason and then have a little hiccup. So hopefully he can get himself back. There is value there in draft. He's 361 in standard, 361K midfielder. I still think he goes wing slash forward. Wouldn't surprise me if he actually got forward status because they kind of need someone that, that can push up and back and kind of be the outside player. Devin Smith, I think, will probably, gee, 64.5 oh, average. That's so bad. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to say about Devin Smith. Yeah, Maybe mate, uh, a bench that. option. It's... Mate, leave that alone because I'll actually give you a proper draft. I thought you were actually going to go a proper draft option here or that. Like, yeah. Um, no, it, there's no one. Like, literally. No, there is. There is. There, there, there is their big ruckman in Sammy Draper. Oh, yeah. yes, Drapes. Yeah. Some people and... are so bullish on him for standard even. I don't see him for standard. Yeah, I don't see him as standard. But especially in 10-team, 12-team, and I think I was in a 16-team the other day, and Draper was there so late. Apart from if you've got some bullish Essendon supporters, and if you don't, and this is what we talked about in that draft relevance show, where source, source out who's in your league and who they barrack for. So if you've got Essendon supporters, they're going to go for him early. But if you've got people, who, especially if they hate Essendon, Draper just seems to fall further and further. And especially with the news that if um, the other day he was practicing his goal celebration and doing the sue after every go- after every goal he kicked in the um, in the match scene, sim, um, yeah, there's a few that we go, well, this guy's a flog. I don't want to borrow him. But yeah, he's potential because he's got Peter Wright as their backup ruck. Like Draper's playing majority of ruck time. He is a really good draft option that you can pick up late. Not only that, he actually completed nearly every season, uh, every session through the preseason. So he's been fit, he's been firing. And this is kind of the, the thing that I'm trying to focus on more this year. We have enough issues with COVID or possibly people going to miss or, you know, whatever else. On top of, you know, knockouts missing around, don't pick people that are injury or injured coming into the season. So there's an injury prone where they have been injured before. But if they've had the whole preseason, they've put a real big block together. Right, and if they get through the preseason games unscathed, then you've got another couple of matches on top of the intra clubs that they've gotten through, and I'd be quite happy. I'd be quite comfortable picking those kind of players. So don't take in someone that's been underdone and just come in, you know, your Duncans or whoever. Like, oh yes, they're talented and they didn't do much preseason, but they're playing now. You know, don't do that to yourself this year. I think if they've had a good preseason, which Draper has for draft, I've got no issue at all picking him up in draft standard. It's risky at this point. But he is same uh, similar price to Wits, so I can see eight, the appeal. Eight percent have Draper in their standard side, Fuck. which is huge. And and this is my Auto one fill? last thing with Draper. Don't pick him because we haven't actually seen the ceiling yet. He's a great draft option because you can Ruck's going to go in there. He's going to go 80, 90, no problems. But he's got no ceiling at the moment. Now he could prove us wrong. But until I see a Ruck like Riley O'Brien came in and put it at one forty, one fifty, Darcy's come in, put those big scores up. Draper hasn't done that yet. I don't want to touch rucks in standard who have not shown the ability to go 130, 140. Yep, I think that sounds fair. Um, Cox, I'm also big on. <laughs> um, of course, you just are, for man. even even well even keeper league though. He's a, he's a tall guy who was meant to be playing sort of forward, but he's been playing wing. So he's a midfielder only. He could get some durability and some flex now with you know your um, Shield and a few of these others coming back and Heppel coming onto the wing. To me, that says that actually Cox is probably going to go forward a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, so I don't mind it, especially in keepers. I think he's definitely got some real potential. When you look at the tall types, like it's your Bontepelli, your Fife's. Fife was a real skinny boy too when he started, right? Bontepelli was quite skinny as well, played forward. He's already on the wing. He's already showed that eliteness to take it on, to be able to mark. He's a hard matchup. I think he's definitely got the potential, not just yet, but the potential in a few years' time to actually cause some havoc. 
and I, I don't mind him at all. I heard a rumor that he's put on like eight or nine Ks over the preseason. Ooh. Well, there you go. Well, that could mean that maybe he is playing a little bit more forward because it's always harder to run around with eight or more kilos. I should know. Um, <laughs> now, can we, can we get back on the standard? And there's the obvious yes. one. And he's yes. the, and he's in, I think he's their most big pie. Oh, he's up there. He's 40, 15% at the moment. So he's just behind. Harrison Jones. Uh, Ridley and Hobbs. And that's Jai Caldwell. The yes, uh, inside Caldwell. ball that they've got in from GWS last year who barely played. And he hasn't done a lot wrong this preseason. No, and the appeal is number one, he's been training, right? So I know everyone's like, oh, injury prone, etc. But when you look at the price point, you're comparing him. He's only what uh, fifty or sixty k more than, um, you know, was it JHF or whatever the F- Horn Francis, right? The, the the number one pick. He is definitely a good price point. He's similar price to Barry as well. He was kind of one of those ones that I was watching, but he wasn't quite in my side. But then when you look at oh, injuries to Shield, injuries to Stringer, um, you look at, say, Merritt getting a little bit of back time and, you know, um, McGrath getting a little bit of back time, Heppel probably pushing on the wing. To me, it says, well, hang on, they did recruit him to be an inside midfielder. So if they're kind of shifting a few things around, if he's been training as a midfielder, he's been getting through the preseason fine. He actually played pretty well. I think he played a half of football in the midfield, got 14 disposals and maybe even a couple of goals in the intra club in a half. Um, to me, it screams, hey, couple of injuries, the opportunity's there, and at his price point, I considered him last year. So why wouldn't I consider him this year? And he is now in my side because of that opportunity and the data coming out, Swizz. Yeah, it's, this Wednesday match against the Doggies is going to be so interesting. I feel like they'll probably play him two and a half quarters, probably three quarters as they continue to up his workload, and I expect the majority of that to be in the midfield. That's what they've got him in to do that big body midfield, uh, him, Parrish, and then it looks like it'll be the rotation between if Stringer was fit, but then Hobbs will probably get a couple in there, Merritt will be in there at some point, and they'll rotate that third position in the CBAs. Uh, but they, they're big on Caldwell playing midfield, and that's really where he plays. That's, there's not really anywhere else he can go. So you might be deciding between Berry versus Caldwell. That's fine. I think that's a good um, decision, uh, you know, a good flip of the coin. Um, to get one of those in there. At the moment, I've got both because I really like yeah, both their roles at the moment. So I think you've got to be too. looking and at price points. Yeah, and exactly. their price point. I think it's you know definitely a good option there. Uh, for me, yeah, same, 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 same reasons there. It's um, just one of those things. Where, and not only that, you know his best 22. Like he, if he's fit, he's playing. They brought him back into the final series after he had about was 12 weeks off or something. They brought him in for the final Um that kind of time, you know what I mean? So I think it's just one of those things where if he's fit, you know, he's best 22 and I don't mind having those players on my team. So Barry, if Barry's fit, he's best 22 for Brisbane, right? They're not going to leave him out. He means quite a lot to that team. Whereas when you look at, you know, the first year players, there is a little bit of risk because it's like, well, are they going to rest a day cost after he has a chunk of four to five to six weeks? Uh, Horn Francis, are they going to, if he starts, you know, not kicking any goals, is he going to, you know, or maybe he starts off pretty well and then teams give him more attention. Now he's like, oh, well, shit, now I'm, I'm getting blocked trying. I can't run and jump. I'm getting blocked you know, legally or legally, should I say. I'm getting blocked and now it's harder to get there and I'm not getting to the right position because teams are putting body on me. So, yeah, they might get rested at some time. Whereas, you know, these boys at least, you know, form pending because everything can turn to shit, but at least they're best 22. So it's one less problem you're going to have outside of obviously they might get injured. Yeah, and we know... Like as much as we all rip on Dodoro for not doing trades or being really hard to deal with, 
during that period. This was one of the boys that they he, he went out to target last year. They're like, we want Cordwell. Didn't work out with him because of injuries last year, but they were huge on him. So, yeah, I just think if he is fit, you've got to go him or seriously consider well, him at that price point. I heard I heard at the first meeting and stuff like that, apparently Dodoro played a little bit of Aladdin, like, I will show you the world. We won't win a final till September. Uh, 2025. No, that'll, that'll, uh, do. <laughs> that'll do okay, for inside karaoke for tonight. Hey, if Chris was here, Chris would oh, be no, joining in, Swizz. Right, mate? It's okay, it's okay. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Hobbs. Now, yeah, I yes. honestly don't think that SNM were expecting Hobbs to be available when it got to their pick. Pick 13, I think it was. Absolutely. He must have fallen out of his fucking chair. Couldn't press a button quick enough. Uh, and again, they do need the bigger boys in that midfield. So, you know, Parrish can handle his load. Um, so to speak. And um, so it's one of those ones where I'm like, maybe they just got lucky with a big body, you know, someone who's already physically ready, right, to be able to actually handle a bit of that brunt force, nice and young and and being able to deal with the brunt. So they're like, well, hey, cool. How about, you know, Merritt, you're classy. We can push you back a little bit. We can push you here and there and still come into the midfield. But I think they're definitely trying to, looks like, be a little bit more dynamic and unpredictable and have a good blend of people in that midfield at the moment. Yeah, mate. He could um, definitely play. Mate, I was big on him all last year. He was looking like top five all last year. Big, He was the best inside midfielder going like to Horn Francis is that more that kind of, you know, danger field, dusty type. He's going to start his career forward. He's going to go and he'll be, you know, a better player. But Hobbs is your genuine inside midfielder was looking like the, that top pick in the, in the draft all year. Um, and just the way it, goes because a lot of clubs don't want too many of these inside midfielders like we see crouch tom mitchell he's going to be one of those type of guys it's not going to be as explosive he's going to rack up the ball get his um clearances but yeah a lot of clubs don't want to have a whole lot or don't want to spend high picks trying to get them now the obvious club to get him was going to be richmond because richmond needed a ben hobbs but when they were you know, they had the debate between him and Gipkus where they needed another centre-half back and Gipkus was probably rated top three for a lot of the preseason, and he fell. So when it got to Richmond's pick, they're like, well, we've got to kind of take Gipkus here. And then Hobbs, because of that inside midfield and just the way the draft was panning out with, I think, GWS had a lot of picks there. He just Essendon, got to Essendon's pick and they didn't need him. Unless another club was going to offer the world to trade that pick, they were like, well, we're just going to take this kid because he's just so skillful. And the talk all last year was he would play round one if nearly at nearly any club that was going to draft him, especially those who are going to need an inside midfield. But Essendon don't really need him, but he's just done everything right in the preseason. And, and as we said, that was all the talk because he's, he's one of these country boys come from Horsham. So even though we've had the effects of COVID down here and some of those boys are going to have a late start, the country boys have had a lot more footy than what the metropolitan boys have. So he is way ahead of some of those um, Melbourne boys. Um, and, and yeah, he, he hasn't put a foot wrong. They've been putting him in these CBAs um, for these match sims so far. So it'd be really interesting against the doggies to see how much time he gets in there. And if they give him the opportunity to run with, say, Bont or McRae or um, and maybe do a bit of defensive midfield stuff just so he you know really learns the caper. But I can see him starting first game. Now, that might be rotating off a half forward flank or a forward pocket of rotating off the bench and it might be sort of 60 percent time on ground first few games or he might even come on as a sub or stuff you know come off as a sub or who you know however that's going to work this year but 
as a player, as a footballer, he's going to find the ball. It's just, are you willing to pay 156000 when you've got Dylan Stevens or you've got, say, Ward at 180? Are they better options yeah, than Tops? But if he looks like he's going to be getting some of those centre bounces, and, and depending on how he goes in this match sim against the Doggies and then the preseason game the following week, yeah, he, he might work his way into a lot of sides. Yeah, I think it's definitely in consideration. And at this point, the the high draft picks look like they are the most talented, the most secure, and the most score-worthy. So it's one of those ones where you just kind of it might have to just pay up at the moment, and there's not that many cheaper options. We thought we had you know Clark for West Coast, who's now injured. So it's one of those ones where if Hobbs starts being named round one, uh, or maybe if it's only, you know, if they're missing, say, a Shield and a Stringer, then it might be harder because you don't know how long he'll last. But I think it's one of those pay the pay the piper kind of things. Now, can I just say, he is quite a big uh, built lad already, right? So he's kind of like Hobbs Shaw, uh, kind of like a mini rock, should I say? So I was actually, I'm honestly thinking, if I start Hobbs, do I have to start like a Brayshaw? It'll be like a Hobbs and Brayshaw show. <laughs> and uh, he'll look like the rock. And Brayshaw, you know, will look like um, Jason Strath- Stratham, Strath- Statham, Stratham. I can't even say his name at the moment. What do you reckon? I reckon it, if you're going to talk about the rock so much, I would have put one of my wrestling shirts on and that. But oh, oh, oh. <laughs> mate, I love I love the rock. There's nothing I love more. Him and uh, Mark Warburg, big fans. Did, how was his performance at the Super Bowl? The rock just opening up the day with the. Yeah, I didn't did like his outfit, though. All that maroon. I'm like, mate, you're too big to wear maroon. I mean, come to Queensland, state of origin time. Sure, come and wear all the maroon you like. But um, Yeah, so for yeah, the 15%, know. we've got Hobbsy in at the moment. And yeah, I, I I'm considering. Hmm. I'm waiting for the eye test. Now, and even yep. then, so with the uh, Horn Francis, the Dacos, the Wards, you hear all these good things. And at the moment, uh, Day, uh, was it Horn Francis with the pack mark? I was like, man, he's a he's yeah. a nugget. Like he's a solid boy. I was like, right, so that's a, that's appealing. Stats are saying, well, all the talk is that he's impressing. I'm like, right, I saw that. Wonderful. Dacos apparently doing well, halfback rotating through the midfield, doing well. So it's one of those ones where you just wait for the eye test. You wait to see how many disposals they get. You just wait to see the super coach in these preseason games, what super coach score they would have got, the time on ground, etc. And then you kind of just try and use all that to see where they fit and how it works into your team. That's it. You're kind of just keeping an eye on a whole bunch of people, hey, Swiss. Yeah, well, that's it. And as we said, you know, it's going to be kind of like your ex-girlfriends, right? Yeah, well, keeping tabs, well, keeping tabs well, on them. Kind of, kind of, kind of bumped into one today, but that's another story for another yeah, day. Lucky, lucky the missus is out. Coast is clear, everyone. <laughs> no, she doesn't listen to the pod, so it's all good. She's not going to hear that, especially the Essendon one, because you'll get those first two minutes, and she'll be like, "Oh, friggin' hell, I'm not listening to your bag. It's fucking." Shit. If she does what, she'll she'll hang up after those first two minutes, and yeah, then put you so in the doghouse. So that's what. That's why. It's going to start the pod like that. I think that wraps us up for us, and yeah, to be definitely. honest, that's we've, more, we've more draft relevance. I know that, but as in more draft relevance. So for those that are looking at for that, otherwise, you know, people would have just skipped through to the rookies, which I thought we handled that pretty well. And apart from that, I think that's about it, everyone. Let's stay on Michael Hurley watch, and that's it for us. We'll catch you next time. Say goodbye. Yeah, no, exactly. Let's move on to the next. We'll, we'll move on to the next <laughs> one a bit more relevant, mate. Oh, Fremantle. Oh, geez, don't go that far, mate. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll try, hey? We'll try, Essendon and Fremantle fans. We'll catch you soon. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. 